Once again, uh, we'd like to welcome you back to our City Builders online service. And we've been doing this since the end of March. And here we are now, we're halfway through uh, October and we're still doing this. And uh, during that time, we've connected with a lot of people uh, from across the city and across the, uh, the region and uh, even the nation and some overseas. And we are thankful for that. And God has uh, a most unusual way of getting his word out. So uh, we wanted to welcome you back and we thank God for you and we just pray that this word be a real blessing to you this morning. And uh, we're just going to start by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning and we thank you for this opportunity to bring your word, to preach your word. And uh, the word of God is living and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Father, I thank you that this word would just touch the lives of people and bring the adjustment that it needs to in Jesus' name. So last week I, uh, I spoke about the competencies of a 21st century leader, and uh, this is part two of that message. In every season and in every generation, God is doing something unique. Uh, when the set time arrives, in other words, the time that uh, God set beforehand, raising and releasing the right kind of leaders in that generation is part of his divine strategy. This is what we call the Kairos time. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about there's a time for many things. Um, and, and there is a kairos time. This is a time set beforehand for God to do what he wants to do. In the kairos time, the time set by God, anything can happen. What was impossible in the past uh, can now begin to shift and turn. And we can see the impossible become possible all of the sudden in the timing of God. It is a wonderful thing if those that have a leadership call on their life are able to cooperate and respond with what God wants. And uh, it's really wonderful when those people are able to move with him, they're able to rise to do what needs to be done in the timing of God. You might think this morning, this does not really relate to me. You might think I'm not really a leader. I'm just a mum, I'm just a young person, or maybe I'm an older, retired person. Well, that is not actually the truth, because God places a specific leadership potential on every individual. When it comes to leadership, and particularly uh, right now, what the world needs now is leadership. But it doesn't need the old leadership, the old outdated leadership. It needs 21st century leaders. Um, when it comes to leadership, the greatest resource in the world, I believe, that clearly describes the essential leadership uh, criteria that can rebuild nations is none other than the Word of God, the Bible, history's bestseller. In Isaiah chapter 59, the process of decline has brought the nation into darkness. When God speaks from heaven, the light has come. And, uh, you know, Jesus, when he came into the earth, John chapter 1 describes him as the light. 
and the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Darkness and light have nothing in common. In fact, when you turn on the light, the darkness goes. And this is how Jesus is. Jesus is the light of the world. And the church is the light of God in every city. In Isaiah chapter 60, the scripture says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. We are right at this time living between Isaiah 59 and Isaiah chapter 60. And in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 21, it says, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord from this time and forevermore. Right now, uh, there are all sorts of things happening in our uh, nation of Australia and right across the globe. And a leader shift is required. In times of crisis, leadership that is set apart uh, and, and prepared in the background by God needs to rise. So a leadership is required and a leadership is happening in the nations. You might like the song, if you were born around my uh, vintage, I'm living in the 70s. Um, I love that song. But the realities are that we are now living in the 2020s and a new set of global challenges has emerged. And you would be, for forgiven, you would be forgiven for thinking about the future in a tentative way. But I want you to know this morning that God is well able and God is well able to turn things around. So last week I spoke about the need of a new generation of leadership to arise. These are 21st century leaders. These are the men and the women that God is going to use. Last week we talked about three competencies. The first one, we need to be able to consistently access the presence of God. Number two, we must be able to pick up the heart of God in difficult seasons. And this has been a difficult season for so many. And thirdly, we must have a powerful testimony of God's grace. This week, I'm talking about another vital attribute, a quality, you could call it a competency, but 21st century leaders must have an excellent spirit. And if you have not got that today, you can begin to focus in on that, you can begin to develop that in your life. There are two standouts in the scripture that had what the scripture calls an excellent spirit. And the first one is Joseph in Genesis chapter 30, uh, sorry, 41 verse 38. And this is what the leader of the nation at that time, Pharaoh, said about Joseph. He said, can we find such a man as this in whom is the Spirit of God? Joseph in God's time was called in a dream, sold into slavery, chosen to serve in Pharaoh's house, unjustly sent to prison, and in God's set time, the Kairos time, he was elevated to national leadership to govern 
and demonstrate the hand of God through divinely inspired leadership and stewardship in his generation. And he demonstrated profound wisdom for a young man at the age of around about 30. This is profound wisdom that was not natural, it was supernatural. The second example is Daniel. And uh, in Daniel chapter 6 verse 3, we read these words. This Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the, and the satraps. The satraps are a bit like the mayors or the regional leaders of the day. This Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit, just say that after me, an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. A little bit of background on Daniel. Daniel also experienced captivity. He was taken captivity into Babylon. He experienced persecution. He experienced marginalization, imprisonment, and was sentenced to death, only to be delivered by the supernatural hand of God. Once again, this is a supernatural intervention. Do you know, I believe in supernatural interventions. I believe that when things are not looking good, when you have your back against the wall, that is a time to really look to God, to cry out to God and see what he does. He was a countercultural leader who stood honourably before God and man and resisted the trajectory of the culture that he lived in. This is what we need now. We need a, a countercultural revolution. People who are prepared to go against the trajectory of the culture, which is not that positive, and they need to follow God. So he was a leader who stood honourably before God and man and resisted this trajectory. He was everything that a leader should aspire to be. When Daniel was taken captive into Babylon, he was around about 20 years of age. But the high points of uh, Daniel's life were probably around about age 70 to when he died, which is estimated to be about 85 years of age. So this message this morning, whether you are young, whether you are not so young, whether you are old, is a message that is related and relative to you. Let's talk about an excellent spirit. It is not, con uh, not to be confused with a spirit or an attitude of excellence, which is sometimes used in the world and in contemporary Christianity. A spirit of excellence deals with the externals. It deals with the buildings. You know, if you've heard me say it before, I just love this building. It, it talks about the presentation, uh, the organisation, the printing, the services, the communication. These are all the things that we would call a spirit of excellence or an attitude of excellence that an individual or an organisation can have. But an excellent spirit is something that's different. An excellent spirit refers to the dimensions of an individual's internal life. 
You know, we have an external life that we like to present to other people and we have an internal life which is the real us. This is the quality of a person's spirit that could, uh, quite, uh, could quite possibly, if not likely in these, t- these times, cause them to rise in significance and perhaps even prominence. In these, in these cases... It was national or government leadership when their time had come. Whether our leadership be in the home, the workplace, the business world, the educational system, the same principles apply. Now, there are a couple of reasons why I'm preaching this message. Number one, there is a global uh, reset and leadership that is required. The old order has brought us this far. And we thank God for the leaders that have gone before us. But we are in crisis across the globe. And I wanted to say this, that before the pandemic, before this international crisis, there was a crisis across the globe. The crisis was there, but has now been hastened and has accentuated has been accentuated by world events. Number two, the destinies of individuals, families, cities, regions, and entire, um, you know, uh, nations perhaps, can be renegotiated, realigned, and turned around if the right leadership rises in that time. So as I said, there's a couple of reasons. The third one is that an excellent spirit is something that previous leaders, heroes of faith, such as Joseph and Daniel and others who are recorded in history's Hall of Fame, have had, is attainable today, should be pursued and can be birthed in us and developed. In other words, you might think, I don't quite understand what an, uh, uh, an excellent spirit is. I don't think that I really have what Pastor Brian is talking about, but I want to say to you this morning that you can have this. You know, it is, it is something of God that is available if you reach out to Him. And fourthly, this morning, there is a cry throughout the land for the Josephs and the Daniels of our generation to arise, and they will. So this morning I want to give you some key elements that contribute to what the Bible is calling an excellent spirit. And Daniel had these attributes, he had these qualities that caused his leader, you know, to speak of him in such a high and honourable way. The um, The first element, the first key attribute is that we must have the knowledge of God. If you write this scripture down, Or if you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to it and read this. But Daniel wrote in the book of uh, uh, the book of his own, the book named after himself, the book of Daniel, chapter eleven, verse thirty-two. The word of God says that those that know their God shall be strong and do great exploit. There are plenty of believers, and there are those that really know God. He has not only found, um, found God, but he's found him and found the heart of God. 
This is going to the next level in our relationship with God. You know, you can know God on the surface. You can know about God. But the, but the scripture is really talking about having revelation knowledge. The scripture says that men perish. People perish because of the lack of knowledge. And this is the lack of real knowledge that has touched our heart and transformed us. So the first attribute, the first key element of having an excellent spirit is the knowledge of God. And when you look through the accounts in Daniel, you'll see this man was a standout. You know, some leaders are just a standout. And I really believe that the world just likes us to blend in with the crowd. But God is calling us, and maybe he's calling you, and he is calling people all across the region and the nation in this time to stand up and to be the Josephs and the Daniels of the time. These are the go-against-the-flow, countercultural leaders who are not following the trajectory of the society, but they know that God can do something different. They know that he can turn it around. Why? Because they know him. You know, there was a time where God reached out to me. God was real, and I knew that he was there. And there was a time that I received him. But as I learned to follow Christ, I came to know him in a very personal way. So it is like God is there and I am here. But as we learn to walk with God, we are walking closer and closer together until we become one. And this is a powerful, powerful dynamic. Do you know you were created to know God? You were created not to be distant from him. I remember when I was little, when I was young, it seemed to me that God was out there somewhere as I gazed out to the stars. And I'm sure at times you've experienced that and felt that. But the God of heaven who is out there can come to live on the inside of man and we can become one with him. Our spirit can become joined with him. We can be truly born again of the Spirit, as John chapter 3, verse 3 talks about. We can have a union with God. The two of us become one. And you know, this is a, a, one of the, his, the preachers of old said that me and God, we are a majority. In other words, when you become joined with God, uh, you are really a force to be reckoned with. And this is the first attribute, the first element of having an ex excellent spirit. Do you really know God? I want to ask you this morning, do you have the knowledge of God or do you just know about God? Are you out there and maybe been listening to these messages over the last weeks and months and maybe thinking for the first time, I know about God, I know there's something out there, but who is that God? then I want you to know this morning that that God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Lord over the earth. Jesus is Lord over our lives. And he is waiting there for you. He's waiting for you to receive him into your life so that you can become one with him. So the first element this morning is the knowledge of God. Number two is the foundations on which we build. I believe that this man, Daniel, had strong foundations in his life, and the scriptures indicate that. 
Um, you know, the Scripture says that God gave them, in other words, Daniel came into Babylon with, uh, with his three friends, Shadrach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they sort of carried a same spirit as what Daniel did, which was the spirit of excellence. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all wisdom and dreams. In other words, these young men, they were a standout. You know, they, they stood out from the whole of the people that were taken in captivity. But, you know, the leadership in the land spied out these young men and saw that they could be used. So, so there was some kind of foundation on the inside of Daniel that was resistant to the culture. You know, there was something very special about him that was able to handle the culture, able to work in the culture. Here's the thing. You need to know what you believe. I really believe that one of the problems today with, uh, you know, people old and young is they no longer really are sure about what they believe. Sometimes their faith has been buffeted and sometimes it has been underlined, undermined. But when you find someone who really believes and really knows what they believe, then they are, are, are really solid people and they're solid leaders. I preached a message back there uh, uh, probably around about two months ago talking about, uh, you know, the foundations of our faith and making them all sure. And I really believe this is so important for every family, every mother, every father, you know, to, to work with their children and to work with those that they're responsible for and to build the foundations. We need to make the foundations of our lives sure. You know, we call this church City Builders because I really believe that the grace and the call on our church is to build strong people, strong believer, strong leaders, because this is how you rebuild, this is how you restore a city and a nation. You know, uh, incredible testimonies of how people come in and their lives are, you know, quite, can be quite broken and they turn to God. But God is not finished with you there. He's going to restore your life. He is going to rebuild you. He's going to put you back together again. And you know, you could be the next Daniel. You could be the next Joseph if God has put that call on your life. The systems of Babylon or the world will always try and bring your belief system back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the book of Genesis... God put two trees in the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And one tree represents God, our life source, and the other one represents the system of the world. You see, there are two systems. One is God, one is faith, one is life, one is inspiration, and the other one is dependent on reason and it's, and it's tied into a system that has got a trajectory about it. And that trajectory is taking people away from God, away from their destiny. So there always seems to be this struggle. But this morning God is calling you back and he's calling me back and he's raising 
the level. He is, he's saying this is what we need to do, that we need to build the foundations of our life. For us, there can be no other foundation but the person of Christ. And the Bible challenges to build on that foundation. You see, we have the choice of how we build and where we build. We can build on the sand or we can build on the rock, which is a person and it is a, bit, a revelation about a person. Our life, the life of Christ on the inside of us can become an indestructible life if we build well. Even in these times of incredible shaking and disturbance in the nation, God is building you. He is building you. He's building me. He's building his church. He's building marriages. He's building lives so that they will withstand the day, so that when the floods come, the building will stand. And that is a picture of your life. It's a picture of our church. It is a picture of our nation this morning. The third element of having an excellent spirit is the heart of devotion. I want to read a couple of scriptures from uh, the book of Daniel, first chapter 6, verse 10. In his upper room, with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees there and prayed three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. You've got to understand that here is in a man that uh, in, a, in a society and in a culture that had basically forbidden him to follow his God. You know, I don't know why this, uh, uh, well, I do, but, you know, I don't know completely why these stories are in the Old Testament, apart from the fact that they are very prophetic in their nature, and even though they are historical, probably around about 700 BC, they point to the very times that we live in in so many different ways. And I find the Bible the most amazing book because the themes and the threads go from the book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation. This is what you call the seal of God. Do you know what? There is a seal through the words and through the chapters and through the books of the scripture. But it says in, the, in his upper room and with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees and three times a day he prayed. This is really amazing because he was not hiding his faith. He was a man of devotion. He was a man of worship. And God has called us to be men and women of devotion, to be men and women who really worship God. So that's the first scripture. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, there's another account of Daniel praying in a time of crisis. Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. This is Daniel chapter 9 verse 3. It's very powerful because Daniel was a man of prayer. And when there was crisis and chaos around about him, he did not really um, blame the leaders of the land. He did not hit out at them, or we, we don't see that in the, in the record. But we see a man of absolute devotion 
and dependence and true worship. And his dependence was not on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but it was what comes from the tree of life. You see, Daniel was going against the trajectory of the culture. And I want you to know this, that when the world becomes detached from the God who created it, the trajectory of the culture is downward. But God wants to turn everything around. He wants to restore, th restore things. He wants to rebuild. You know, this is what he does. And this is, you know, when you see where God has touched different individuals, lives, businesses, churches, families, then there is life that begins to come. Do you know what? Daniel had a heart of devotion. And, and the third aspect this morning is we must have a heart of true devotion. We can do devotion or we can live with a heart of devotion. We can do the act of worship or we can live out of the spirit of worship. In John chapter 4, there is an account of a woman who is wayward who met Jesus at the well. And Jesus sort of um, he had this excellent spirit, you know, because he was God. And an excellent spirit ultimately comes from God. So when this woman met Jesus, she met a man who was not like any other man that she had met. He was different. He had an excellent spirit. You know, this is what an excellent spirit is, and God wants us to have this. But Jesus said to this woman, and he prophesied, about the future. I believe he was talking about, you know, uh, when the Holy Spirit would fall in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. But I believe he was talking about the church in the nations. And, uh, you know, in that encounter with the woman at the well, Jesus was prophesying to her about the very time that we are living in now. In John chapter 4, verse 24, it says, The hour is coming and now is. Just say that, and now is, when those that worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, this is a really important thing because God designed us in a very special way. He designed us to be devoted to something. And we will be devoted to something. And our devotion and our worship will either be directed towards the God who created us and we'll find our purpose in him, or our worship will, and our devotion will be directed wrongly. It'll be misdirected. And this is the generation that we live in. And when the hearts and the minds of people on the earth begin to have, you know, be devoted to something that is not of God, the nation begins to go down. Welcome to the time that we are living in. But God has a plan, and God is going to turn things around. And that is what Jesus is all about. You know, Jesus came into the earth 2,000 years ago when the nation was shut. You know, the heavens over the nation were shut. There had been absolutely no real deep consciousness of God on the inside. You know, people were aware there is a God, but everything had become hardened and shut down. And then all of a sudden, God begins to turn the tide. Isn't this our God? 
and I expect this and I believe this, that in the days, the months, the years ahead, there is going to be a generation that rises and they will have a heart of devotion. They will be true worshippers and their hearts and their minds will be set on the God who created the heavens and the earth. The heart of worship will be poured out to Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Saviour. Do you know what? The name over this church really doesn't matter because there is a higher name. In fact, the Bible talks about the name which is above every other name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. He is the Saviour. In fact, it says in the book of Acts that, you know, there is only one name by which men and women can be saved, and that is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know this morning everything can change for you? Your life can change. You know, your life can change. Your wife can change. Your children can change. Your husband can change. And it is when we begin to reach out to God and we begin to connect with Him the way that God intended in the first place that things can really turn around. The fourth element or aspect that contributes to an, an, uh, an, an excellent spirit this morning is an excellent spirit is a heart of honour. The book of Daniel is like a manual to the times we live in. You know, honour is a really important word. I believe, you know, when Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 he said I'm going to build my church and he said the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it and he said I'm going to give you the keys and I really believe there is such a thing that we could call the honor key it is a quality on the inside of our heart it is where we are able to really see what God is doing and we are so thankful and grateful for that that we are able to receive the full benefit into our life. That is what honour is. And you know, we are living in a generation now where the trajectory is to dishonour. It's to break vows. You know, it is to live for yourself. But here this young man, even in an ungodly culture that was anti-God in so many ways, he lived out of honour, he retained his honour and he related to God and man with honour. One of the prophetic words that we had over this church on opening night, that in this house there will be like an unwritten code of honour. And I really like that. Do you know what? Honour is an attitude. It is a heart thing. You know, I honour my, my wife. I speak to her nicely. I, I build her up with my words. I respect everything and I'm thankful for what she has done for me. I am thankful that God gave it to, to, her, to me. And you know, on our wedding day, 41 and a half years ago, seems like yesterday, but it is a long time ago, we took vows. And, and you know, we used the words honour in our vows. And for the past 41 and a half years, those vows have been honoured before God and man. This is what makes life great. This is what connects us to one another in an unbreakable relationship. But our honour also needs to go to the God that we serve. 
So this is what creates a culture of honour. And Daniel certainly had this. He was a man of incredible honour. You know, you cannot have an excellent spirit and be dishonourable in your words, your actions, your thoughts. You know, God wants to change that. Now listen, nobody's perfect. And today, some people may be far away from God, but God is going to call them back in this season. And you know, it's like I said, when our spirit becomes joined with Him, we are in the beginning of a new day for our life. So the book of Daniel is really like a manual for the times that we live in. Daniel served five kings, but always remained a servant of God first. And I really believe this is the key. If we will make a, ourselves a servant of God, this must translate into our vertical and horizontal relationships. The king's testimony is spelt out in Daniel uh, chapter 6, verse 20. We know that Daniel was sentenced to death and thrown into the lion's den. But the king spoke, even though he had been condemned to death, the king spoke with affection over the life of Daniel because he saw God in him. You know, uh, I really believe it's like that. You know, people can see God in you. You know, they can see God in you and sometimes they react to that. You know, sometimes they give you a bit of a pushback because they too are hurting on the inside. But here, this king, this king looked at Daniel and he saw God in him. And it is recorded in Daniel chapter 6, verse 20, when he came near the den, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. It was sort of an, uh, you know, an ambivalence that this man had, where uh, this man, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, because on one hand, Daniel was so counterculture and the penalty was death. Thrown into the lion's den, but at the same time, the king knew there was something about this man that was different from all the rest. You know, in other words, there were goodness knows how many people, how many young people came into captivity with the young people of Israel, but there were really a handful that stood out and Daniel was the one that stood head and shoulders above his generation. He was honourable. He was not dishonourable. He was not abusive. He, he was not the sort of man that talked back and gave cheek. He was God's man. And in serving five kings during his lifetime in, in uh, Babylon, he saw it as serving God, even though they were um, imperfect leaders and, uh, you know, in some ways corrupt leaders. This showed the heart of Daniel to serve and to honour. And I think this is why this book of Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, I think we should read it often because it is really a manual for living in our times. So uh, quite a remarkable response from Nebuchadnezzar there. So having a heart of honour is really incredible. We need to learn to honour, uh, you know, God in the right way. We need to honour him with the way that we give and the way that we serve. We need to honour those that God has sent to us as leaders because we can honour them or we can be familiar and reject them. 
But here Daniel knew this key. And this is a key, this is the honour key that we must begin to understand. And you know, at some stage in the near future, we'll do a Sunday on this very subject because God wants us to be honourable in our dealings. He wants us to be honourable with our finances. And even when we are dealing with the government departments, to be truthful and honest and accurate, this is what it means to be honourable because at the end of the day, God is the one that we serve. And Daniel had discovered this key. So this morning, I want you to know that you are called to serve God. Our heart is reflected in the way that we relate and we serve. And there is a better way to win the cultural wars than being a reactive leader. Now, I must confess that I'm talking to myself right there. It's really the spirit of excellence that we must have on the inside. Do you know, Daniel was like, it was like having Jesus in the nation 700 years before Christ came to the earth. It was like that. And one of the, uh, you know, most powerful scriptures that has shaped my life and many lives is Philippians uh, chapter 2 verse 5. And I will just go there if I can. And I want to read, uh, read this for you. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of, of, a, of a, a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. This is the heart of obedience. This is the heart of humility. This is the heart of honour that God wants us to have. And this is an excellent spirit. And it goes on to say, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord. I see Daniel in these verses because Daniel was prepared to humble himself and make himself less before God and man. And in God's time, God raised him from the lion's den and from the furnace to rule in the nation. And this is what God does. See, an excellent spirit is like cream. It will come to the top in the end. And, you know, this is what God has, has made available to his leaders. We can receive it and we can grow in it, we can develop it, we can go further. Number five this morning, one of the elements of having an excellent spirit is the power to prevail. Those with an excellent spirit will have power to prevail. In other words, you know, if we are connected to God in the right way, and if our spirit is built strong on the inside of us and our dependence is on God and we really serve him, then it is like we become unstoppable because we are no longer our own, we are his. And this is where God wants to bring us to. Those with an excellent spirit will have the power to prevail. 
Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. You know, there is going to be a generation in these days, 21st century leaders that have an excellent spirit. They may have the spirit of excellence, but this is far, far more important. It's more important than the presentation. It's more important than the perfection of the way that we do things but it's the internals. It's what God's doing on the inside of the heart, what God's doing on the inside of the leaders, what God is doing on the inside of the church. So in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, once again, Daniel and his friends are in trouble. And the scripture says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, they were cast into the fire and the fire was heated seven times. Why? Going against the culture, going against the, uh, the corrupt leadership, going against false spirituality, just standing for what you believe in. You know, you can feel in society the tension growing if you are not prepared to go with the flow and accept the status quo. But this is the time for the Daniels and the Josephs to emerge. It says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, uh, I see four men loose, walking in the fire. These guys were thrown in there, bound. And next thing, the king looks into the fire and he says, I see not one man, not two men, not three men. I see four men walking in the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Do you know what? We can relate to God in such a way that he will be with us in our fiery trial. I believe right now throughout the, you know, probably this church and, and throughout the city, there are people going through fiery trials right now. Throughout the region and the nation, there are many going through fiery trials, many battling with, uh, you know, the situation, the, you know, the results of the shutdown. All these things are like a fiery trial that can come on people. You know, the, the mental health call centres, the phones are ringing off the wall during these seasons. Why? Because people are going through fiery trials. And you may be this morning in your workplace. Things might be going against you. You know, there may be a reaction to you in the workplace. Why? Because on the inside of you, you have an excellent spirit. And I know that if the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, we have an adversary that wants to come against you and wants to shut you down and wants to make you just like them. Do you know what the safest place, you, is speaking in a human way, is just to be part of the status quo? Go with the flow. But in Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This is where we go to God and this is where we draw His spirit, His nature, His ways into our own life. And this is what happens. How does it happen? It's the life of devotion, the life of honour that this young man had. And I know that there are many people in this house that God has called them to live like that. 
He's called you to be a leader in your family. He's called to be a leader in your extended family, your tribe, amongst your relatives. God has called you. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm connected with different leaders across the globe. And I can see those that are prepared well beginning to step out from the crowd. Do you know what? When things are good, it is not like everybody stands out. But it is when we really need leadership that leaders begin to stand. True leaders. Leaders who have a heart after God. And you know, we are in a crisis in the nation. The infrastructure is breaking down because the leadership can only see to the next election. But God wants a leadership that is different to rise, a leadership with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Can you imagine if there was a discussion in the council that said we need to talk to those guys in the church down the road because, you know, they know the way through this. They have a spiritual wisdom. You know, they've done it before and they've seen it before and they can help us. This is literally what happened to Joseph. And I want you to know that in this city and across the region and everywhere where there are churches like this, these leaders, these Josephs, these Daniels are going to begin to come forth. And they will have in them the power to prevail. In other words, you can hit them. You can, uh, you know, you can be against them. But it just makes them stronger. You know, the more you resist them, the more it seems to be that God is in the process and God is making them. Like you see it, you know, I, I read the accounts of how God called these men and, and they went through difficult things, hard things, condemned to death, thrown into a lion's den. This is a hard thing, but it only rose um, Daniel higher. And, and, you know, this is what the, the power to prevail is. I want you this morning to have the power to prevail, the power to stand up, the power to push back against the enemy, a power to stand for Christ. You know, this is what God has put on the inside of us. This is an indestructible life. It is the incorruptible seed of Christ that is growing on the inside of us. You can have this. Number five is the power to prevail. And number six, this morning. And this is really a clincher. It is quite amazing. And I want to read to you from uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 this morning, one of my favourites. Ephesians chapter 1, 17. And we've been in and out of here a lot this year. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give to you, I'm talking about you and this is talking about me, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom, and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. If you have this dimension of God's spirit, if you have this, you know, this element of an excellent spirit on the inside of you, there's something that's going to rise to the top. There is a leadership capacity on the inside of you. And God is stretching you in the circumstances you are in now. He is raising you up 
You know, it is really, really great when you realise that it is God on the inside of you, Christ on the inside of you, that is the hope of glory. Let me tell you this, an excellent spirit is confirmed by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This really defines what an excellent spirit is. This is Nebuchadnezzar's description of Daniel after Daniel interpreted his second dream. Imagine having a king speak to you and, and uh, commend your leadership in words such as this. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the spirit named Belshazzar, now let Daniel be called and, and he will give the interpretation. This is pretty cool. You know, when, when uh, the spirit world speaks so powerfully to a leader that they are looking for someone to help them understand their dream. And this is what God did through Daniel. In Daniel chapter 5, verse 13, I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Imagine that. God has made this dimension available to you. It is there for you. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul prayed for it for the church in Ephesus. And, you know, I believe that he was also praying for us in the future. We can receive this dimension. In fact, the Bible says uh, it really talks about two types of wisdom. There is the wisdom that's earthly, sensual, demonic. It talks about it in the book of Ephesians. And there is the wisdom that comes down from above. This is a dimension that God can put into your life. In fact, when you are born again, when you genuinely receive Christ onto the inside, this comes into you in seed form. An excellent spirit. You know, the ability to, uh, you know, have um, revelation knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles. You know, this man had an excellent spirit because the king could depend on him. Do you know, there may be a day where kings come and they ask and they inquire. You know, I know that uh, uh, my friend, Pastor Cyrus, is regularly invited into the Prime Minister's office in the nation that he attends to. When I went to uh, Papua New Guinea in November last year, we, we had a meeting with the Prime Minister. Why? Because the man, you know, my spiritual father has grown this, you know, gift. God gave him the gift. You know, God gives you gifts. He gives you anointings, but what you do with it is up to you. So you can leave the gift wrapped in the package, or you can open the package. You can receive the gift into your life. You can develop the gift, and it can become a force in your life. So this is great. The king says regarding Daniel, I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Do you know what? I can say this with confidence today, that the governments of the nations are battling. They are struggling. They 
don't have, have the answers, but I know this morning who does have the answer. And this morning you might be listening in and you might be really hit hard. This might be the time of your fiery trial. Then I believe this morning that God wants to connect you with something that will begin to elevate you out of the pit. You know, Joseph was sold into the pit and he was thrown into the prison. But at the set time, he was called to lead the nation. This is what happens when we have an excellent spirit on the inside of us. And you might think this morning, I'm really battling, I'm really struggling, I'm really lost. Then I believe this morning is the time to just begin to open your heart and to begin to receive what God is going to do for you. I believe what this I'm talking, the spirit of wisdom, an excellent spirit is confirmed by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is going to be the most sought-after competency in 21st century leaders in the future because the trajectory is not good. The sons of Isaac had it. In, Isaac, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it says the sons of Isaac knew the times and the seasons. They knew what to do. They were tapped in. And I believe this morning, you know, we are living in the new covenant, in the New Testament. And this is a better covenant because God is out there, but now God lives on the inside of me. So his voice is there. His voice speaks on the inside of you and me. It just needs to be tuned into and listened and developed. Paul prayed that the believers in Ephesus would have it. Number uh, number five this morning and the next element and I just want to mention it and one Sunday soon we'll preach about this entire message you will have the grace to govern God gave Joseph and God gave Daniel the grace to govern in other words they rose are able to re rise in the leadership in the land don't get overly concerned about what you see around you it is what it is, but God is in control. And during these times of chaos, crisis, and darkness in the land, this is the time for you and the church to arise, shine. Let your light be seen. Even though deep darkness covers the earth, arise, shine, because you have the spirit of excellence. Amen? So uh, that's the message this morning, and I, I just really want to... Uh, finish by uh, just giving you an opportunity because I really believe that at the end of each uh, message on, on Sunday morning there is such an, uh, you know, an opportunity because this morning I, uh, we've heard a message and I, I really do hope that that message is you know, helpful and, and you can engage and you can respond to that. But the first thing that needs to happen is the spirit of excellence. The, sorry, the excellent spirit that I'm talking about needs to come from heaven. It is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and it needs to come onto the inside. This is the first step. This is what we call being born again. As we open the doors of our life and we invite him in, we are inviting a person to come into our life. We are inviting God himself the Lord Jesus Christ, to come into our heart. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. That is what it means to be born again. How can you be born again?
Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when he met Jesus by night, he said, how can I be born again? It's interesting that that man came by night. I believe in a sense there is a darkness covering the earth. You know, even though it's daytime, people have been locked away in tight confinement, particularly here in Victoria. This is like a dark night for many people. But do you know, Nicodemus came to him and Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be born again. When you open the door of your life, Jesus literally comes in. His spirit comes in and there is a union between your spirit and his spirit. And it makes you alive on the inside. And it's like your eyes begin to come. As Paul prayed there in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be open. It was like when I received Christ into my life, my eyes became open to God, to the possibilities, to, you know, it was like I could see into the future what God had for me. This is what happens when Christ comes onto the inside of us. This morning, if you would like to make your first step, and genuinely receive Christ in your life, then I would invite you to pray this prayer after me. Just say these words after me as I pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus Christ and that he is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you have raised him from the dead to life. I want to trust Jesus as my Saviour and follow him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Father, I just thank you for every person that has joined us this morning. This is no accident. I believe that God is going to do something in your hearts as you respond to him. I just want to encourage you, really take a step of faith and begin to open your heart in a very genuine way. If you prayed that prayer this morning, then I'd like you to make contact with us. If you, if you know any of the members of the church, you're more than welcome to make contact with them. Or you can find us through our website, uh, and if you are from another part of the world, we'd love to hear from you because we'll be able to uh, connect you with some people in the region or the city, wherever you are, and they'll be able to help you on this journey to growing, you know, receiving, gr growing and developing into an excellent spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and see you again next week.